Let's get started. I told you that Acts 8, that we were going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to enjoy ourselves today. So we're going to jump in here and get started. Ready? Um, Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a de- this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. (coughs) Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This passage is full of some good stuff. We're going to focus on several points today. The first one, being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Okay, so here's, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. If you don't know, you're not sure, that's fine. But how many of you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, I know what it says right here. It starts off, it makes a comment about an angel, but then it shifts over to the Spirit, all right? Um, but I want to talk to you. I'll talk to you a little bit about several of these things. And the, and the biggest topic in this subject is being led by the Spirit. And I'm going to ask you this question, all right? How many of you have ever felt like the Lord prompted you to do something? Yeah, okay. So that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, Maybe he encouraged you to call somebody, to stop and talk to somebody, to share something. Maybe he he impressed you to give something and, and, and make a difference and help somebody that was in need. That prompting is what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit wants to direct our day-to-day affairs more than we know, more than we let him. He wants to be far more involved. See, here's the thing. We often get our head down and we get pursuing our day, our agenda, and the things we've got to get done. We get going like this right here. And, and we are so focused on our schedule that we do not realize that he, the Holy Spirit, has a schedule for us. I don't know if you remember this, but when you gave your life to Jesus, you were no longer your own because you've been bought with a price, 
right? It's not I'm that living, but it's Christ that's living in me. Who do you belong to? You belong to the Lord. He has a schedule for your life. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us to fulfill the things that God wants us to do with our life, besides all the things that we just tend to focus our attention on. The Holy Spirit would nudge us more if we gave him the lead more. But we tend to be in control of our life way more than we're letting God control it. And I know there are Christians here that can identify with what I just said. You, you are far more in control of your life than the Lord is. But he would lead you if you would allow him to. Um, and, and here's the thing about, you know, knowing when the Spirit is leading. If you are not used to being led by the Spirit, the thing is, is more often than not, when he nudges you, when he speaks to your heart to do something, you question it. Okay? I heard a funny story one time about this guy. He was sitting in the sanctuary and the Lord prompted him to give a large sum of money for something that was going on. And his first thought was this. He said, Lord, are you sure? You sure you want me to give that much? When the service was over, he was talking with one of his friends. He said, I really, I felt like the Lord told me to give this big chunk of money. And the guy looked at him and said, well, that's the Lord. He said, if it was the devil, he'd have told you to give less. And he looked at me and said, which, which did you do? The, the amount or less? Ooh. But see, that's the thing about the Spirit of God. He would, he would insert things into our heart and our mind and guide us in ways. And, and man, I'm telling you, he's got, he's, God has a plan for your life. And the Spirit will lead you in that if you're sensitive to it. But it's easy for us to be so driven that we are not. Um, so look at this guy, Philip, he is in Samaria. He is having, a, the, I, I, I mean, if I was there, I would be having the time of my life. I mean, I, I would be like, wow, I might not even be sleeping. I'd be up all night go, wow, wow, wow. Cause God's doing miracles. People are getting saved. Transformations are taking place. And yet right here, God says to him, I want you to go out to this desert place. I want you to leave this and I want you to go to this desert place. And, and I, I want us to get this. That is the biggest challenge for us today. And that is we are enjoying this, but God's got something over here he needs us to do. Don't let your enjoyment of this, don't let your enjoyment of being in control of your day, don't let your enjoyment of, of your church and how you like your church without consenting or asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, it's easy for, for you to get up and come to church every Sunday because you like coming to church. But what if the Lord is saying, you know what? You need to invest your life in this person and really begin to bring them to church. Even go by and pick them up. Even tell them I'm standing outside on the porch waiting for you to show up. Whatever. See, we need to change some of the thinking that we have because we can let. And I, I use some of these statements over and over because I'm hoping that they start hitting some good ground. All right. But don't let good stifle great. And you may be having good days, but don't let it stifle a great day. And can I tell you what a great day is? A great day is when you feel and know that the Spirit of God led you to do something and you saw God show up. 
best day ever. And yet, we don't see as many of those as we could if we let the Spirit of God lead. So, after the Spirit leads, leads him to the desert place, the Spirit now instructs him, what? Go over and join the man riding in the chariot. Go do this. Folks, I think we would, we would hear the Holy Spirit do that more in our life if we developed hearing of the Spirit. If we became sensitive so that when the Lord encourages you to do something, act upon it. You see, the thing is, if he encourages you to do something and you pay him no mind, then after a while, you basically tuned him out. But, but when he prompts you, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm praying that the Lord begins to bring that back up. Maybe he used to prompt you and you don't feel the prompting anymore. I'm praying you get the prompt back, all right? Because it, it's very important. We need to understand this, that the Spirit would lead far more if he was given the ability to lead and we followed. So, You may say, well, I'm not sure if I know the voice of the Lord when he's prompting me to do something. Do what he prompts you to do and you'll begin to hear the voice a lot louder. It'll be clear. Uh, all right. And, and you know what? It will be a leap of faith. If he says, go over there and talk to that guy. That guy's talking about some stuff he doesn't know anything about. Talking about God, but he don't know anything about God. Go over there and insert yourself in that conversation. That will take a leap of faith. But take the leap. And watch what happens. Um, all right. It brings us to the second part. He goes over there, and what does he find out? God orchestrates a divine appointment. God orchestrates divine appointments. Philip obeys. Boom. He is now in the midst of a divine appointment. There are no accidents with God. None. None at all. The Holy Spirit will lead you to where he's at work. Now, this is very important, okay? The Spirit is at work. We may look around and we may say, well, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody's really interested in God. I promise you there are people in this community that are interested in God. There, the, the Holy Spirit is always at work in people's lives. There's people that's interested. Now, here's what can happen is we can go through and we can, uh, nobody seems to be interested, uh, nah, yeah, you know, whatever. Everybody's busy with their own thing. But when we begin to say, Lord, guide me to those that are seeking, those that are interested, those that, that are hurting and, and are receptive to hear, he will help you get connected with those people. God would do far more divine appointments if we allow, if we allow the Spirit of God to lead us in what's going on. You see, the thing about a divine appointment is this. It's divine. That's how it got its name. And you know what makes it divine? It's because it's spirit orchestrated. And so if we allow the Lord to lead us, if the Holy Spirit can lead us, he can lead us to the people that we need to invest time in, that we need to love on, we need to encourage, need to be praying for. God orchestrated a divine appointment. And look what the Bible tells us. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about 
Jesus. Philip opened his mouth. Therein lies one of the biggest problems. We don't open our mouths and speak. Uh, the next point in this is open your mouth and share. Open your mouth and share. If you do not say anything, God can't do anything. If you don't, if you don't, you know, can I pray for you about that? Uh, you know, I just heard you talking about how things have been going bad. Uh, you know, here's a scripture that has really encouraged me. I'm going to share it with you. People don't want that. Yes, they do. If they're hurting and they are living in hopelessness, a verse of scripture that adds hope into their life, you'll be surprised. I read the great, oh, I read the greatest story. You ready? I don't, we are involved in KU in the Chi Alpha ministry in KU. You guys know that, right? They're up on the thing. Chi Alpha is a Christian organization on the secular campus. Okay, listen to this. On a secular campus, a Chi Alpha member, just a person in the Chi Alpha, went up to a lady who was caught in the lifestyle of homosexuality. But she had this terrible limp. And had to have a cane. She's in college, but she's got a cane. Her, she has a bone problem. He goes over to her and he says this. He says, could I pray for you about your leg? And, yeah, okay. So he prays for her. She starts walking across campus. She gets completely out of sight from him. And, and she stumbles and she falls. Now, come on now, this, folks, this is real. She stumbles and she falls. And while she's laying on the ground, her leg begins to do all kinds of weird things. She's got this weird feeling. She's thinking, did I break something? Did I hurt it worse than it is or whatever? God did a miraculous healing in her leg right there. She got up and could walk normal. You know what she did? She went to the Chi Alpha Bible study and gave her life to Jesus. And God turned everything around. He just saw a need and he said, could I pray for you? And even though she did not believe the way he believed, did not really have a lot of regard for the Bible, she said yes. You don't know. They might say yes. But you got to open your mouth. You got to share what you believe. You got to speak up and give God a chance. My junior year, and I don't say this for you to say, think anything about me because I've missed more opportunities than I've done right. But my junior year in high school, I was in band camp. All right? I was one of those, yes. Wasn't big enough to play football, so I was in the band. Anyway, I was in band camp, and uh, I'm on the top bunk. We're in a cabin full of guys, and I'm on the top bunk. And, um, uh, I'm talking to my buddy who's right underneath me. And about that time, there's a loft above us. It's a real rustic cabin. It's really neat. There's a loft above us. And, and I heard the guys up there, there were six guys up there. And one guy says this. He says, you know, I think I, I could be a preacher. I could talk about God. What an easy job. <laughs> Boy, just like that, I felt that nudge. And I, and I stood up in my bed which stuck my head up into the loft. And I put my arms like this. And I looked at him and I said, what would you say about God? Well, that's when all the hee-hawing started. Uh, well, uh, 
And for the next two hours, we talked about God. And at the end of two hours, I prayed with several of them. Folks, you, it, you never would know unless you open your mouth. And by the way, you ought to study the Bible so that when you open your mouth, you got something in there for God to work with. All right? Give them a chance. <clears throat> now, I don't know how they got to the subject of water baptism, but they did. And so after he talked to them about the Lord, he must have talked to them about water. Um, but the eunuch wastes no time. He sees water. What does he say? He says, what's going to keep me from getting baptized? Baptize me. Point four. Serious Christians want to identify with their Lord. Serious Christians want to identify with the Lord. The first church felt it was an honor to be identified with Christ, even if that meant pain. Serious Christians begin to understand they have a purpose. They have a reason for being here. Very important that we under, we have, we, and, and because they feel like they have a destiny to fulfill, and you do, look at me. We live Christianity like we are all a box of nuts. And that we're the extra ones just in case God needs them. No. We are supposed to live our life as a nut on a bolt holding something together. We have a purpose. We have a destiny to fulfill. You're not a spare. You're not an extra. You are only an extra because you are choosing not to do anything. When God has created you for a purpose and has a destiny for you. Uh, we started our podcast, okay? Yeah, I think that they promoted it in the announcements. I encourage you to go to it. It's called Faith and Culture. We started our podcast. First three lessons are out, and it's on what is a Christian. And lesson number three, I talk about something I think is really important, and that is that you should be identifiable if you're a Christian, okay? There, there are traits that should be in your life if you're a Christian. <clears throat> Go to there, check it out, see what you think. But committed Christians, they don't want to waste their lives by living it for themselves. They want to be about God's business. Young people, I don't care. When I was the age of several of you, that's when the Lord called me into the ministry. God wants to use you. Now, whether it's the ministry or whether it's, it's basically being the minister at a job site, God, God calls us for a purpose. And, and committed Christians want to fulfill their purpose. They want to get about what they're called to do. Um, they, they have a destiny and they want to fulfill it. And that brings us back to the importance of being led by the Spirit, okay? That's really what this whole focus is. Here's the thing about being led by the Spirit. If you allow the Spirit to lead you, you will see the supernatural working. You'll see the divine appointments. You'll, you'll see God open the door that you, you, He wouldn't have ever opened back then when you weren't paying attention to being led by the Spirit. But now He can. 
And, and I know this may sound different. There's some of you in here, you may, not, you may not think along this line. You might not have been brought along this line. But the truth of the matter is, the spirit-filled life was designed to bring the miraculous and supernatural into everyday living. Folks, God has not changed. And as, as we read in the Bible and we see the supernatural at work, we see the miraculous at work, well, the good news is, is God hasn't, hasn't changed. He still does the miraculous and the supernatural. But if we're not led by the Spirit, if we're not walking in the Spirit, if we're not fulfilling the plan that God has, and, 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 and it's not to stand over here and be a bump on the log, but it is to be active and to show the world the love of Jesus Christ. When you're led by the Spirit in that area, folks, you begin to see the miraculous. You begin to see God do things. The proof of it's in our story right here. The Spirit leads Philip to go into the desert. The Spirit leads him to go over and join a man that's riding in a chariot. The Spirit leads him, or, or the Spirit led, prepared the eunuch to receive the message of Jesus. The Spirit anointed Philip. What to say? I mean, set the stage for him. <coughs> the, spirit, the Spirit provided water for baptism. And then the Spirit translates Philip completely to a new location. And I say this, and I say this, and I'm trying to get this in everybody's head. Folks, what if these things are the rule instead of the exception? We think, well, that's an exception to the rule. Well, what if it isn't? What if there is not, what if there is a person right over here that the Lord is working on, the Spirit is prepping their heart for somebody to come and to pour love into them and speak truth into their life. But if you're not led by the Spirit, that person is, is on that chariot and will go right by. And the opportunity's missed. And we can say all we want to, well, somebody else will do it. But you know what? We shouldn't take that risk. We shouldn't take that risk. <clears throat> I have been tying all these things together because I believe that's what the work of the spirits want to do. But church, the miraculous is stuck until we blow up the box that we're keeping God in. He's stuck right there. Because if you don't expect more, you can't see more. If by faith you don't believe he can do more than he's doing, if you don't expect him to lead you into divine opportunities, if you don't expect it, then, then you, you can go right by totally oblivious that he was leading this away. God is sovereign. Put the next part up. But God has chosen to lead the amount of his power we see up to our faith. Now, I, I take a lot of time to put some of these statements together because I'm going to stand by them. If you're going to be able to quote me and say, well, Pastor Keith says God has chosen to lead the amount of his power we see up to our faith. Then I want to say, yep, believe it 100%. And, and, and here's the thing that concerns me is I know that not everybody was taught, not everybody studied the Bible, not everybody's theology has always been brought to the same place. And so, you know, there are people that today, they, they, they basically believe that, that the miraculous and the supernatural just doesn't really happen anymore. And so, therefore, they don't pray and ask that God would ever open some blind eyes. 
They wouldn't even dream about praying for somebody that, that you know, is, is dying of cancer, that God would just heal him right then and there. Because they don't think along that line. Oh, they'll pray for them. And pray God comfort them while they're dying. But, but to pray that God would raise them up. Um, but here's the thing, and I challenge you. Where in the world did, does the Bible tell us that God's power diminished? Where does the, where does the Bible tell us that, that God would not do for us what he has done for generations past? It's not in there. He's the same God. Yesterday. Today. Today. I'm glad for the forever, but right now I just would be glad for people to get it in our hearts and that he's the same then, he's the same God now. It's, it's, it's us being led by the Spirit and believing that God wants to do these things and then being sensitive when the Spirit says, I, you've been praying that I would lead you. Well, here's the person I'm leading you to. I need you to go and spend time with them. And you'll see what, what I had up my sleeve when you get there. Listen, here's the thing. What if, what if you live your life at this level without much miraculous and supernatural intervention? But God always wanted it here. And that's going to be sad when it's all said and done. I mean, I... I, I I would hate to get to heaven, though I want to get to heaven, but I would hate to get there and to realize that God, when I see him, and I am absolutely amazed by his greatness, power, and glory, that he could have done anything at any time, anywhere. But I lived right down here because I didn't believe for that. Believe for it. All right, so. Philip fulfills what the Spirit led him there to do, right? He baptizes the eunuch. The eunuch comes up out of the water, and Philip is gone. How many of you grew up watching Star Trek? Anybody here? Beam me up, Scotty. If you don't believe in the rapture, you should right there. I mean, one moment you're in the water, one moment you're, you're, you're doing what the Lord has called you to do, and the next moment you're wherever God wants you to be next, which one day will be heaven. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Philip isn't done. The Lord just moves him to the next place where he wants to lead him by the Spirit. And our, our Bible reads this. It says, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All right, so let's think with me for a moment. What is Philip? Is he a deacon? Is he a preacher? Is he an evangelist? What is he? Do you know what he's known as in history? He's Philip the evangelist. That's all he's known as. But I thought he was a deacon. He started as a deacon. I, I really, I, I pray the Lord does something with this statement. Your starting place will not define you. 
unless it's your stopping place. And what I think is possibly one of the saddest things on earth is, is that some people's starting place and their finishing place is just a few feet. Because they, they asked Jesus to come into their heart and they're thankful that he did. But basically, that's pretty much it. I love Jesus. I do my devotions. I go to church. Folks, can I tell you that your devotions and, your, and going to church and being consistent, that will move you from here to here. But if you will allow the Spirit of God to lead you and you will become obedient to the voice of God, your end is nowhere in sight. Don't let where you start define you. But you got to start. <clears throat> Here's one of my all-time favorite verses. You ready? And I share this with you because I want you to realize something. Don't be satisfied with being normal. Do you know what I think nor normal is? It's being one more raindrop in an ocean. That's normal. You made a little and whatever happened after that. Don't be normal. Let God do supernatural things through your life. Here's my verse. One of my favorite verses to pray. I give it to you. I share it with you. All right. It can be yours too. Isaiah 43, 4. Because you are precious in my eyes. See, I take that God talking to me directly. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. Folks, that's what he would say to every one of you. You are precious in my eyes. You are honored. I love you. But here's what he wants. I give you men in return for you. Peoples in exchange for your life. When you begin to realize who you are to him, you begin to realize that he is destined for you to bring people, men and women, into the knowledge of God. And he will give them to you because he loves you and you're his child and servant. And he'll give them to you. When I understand my value and my position in Christ, then I begin to realize that God has men and women that he wants to add into the kingdom through me. All right, I'm wrapping up. I love this life that Philip lived. A spirit-filled guy. A spirit-filled guy who just kept growing in his roles. Growing in his roles. Becoming more and more. I'm, I'm pretty sure back in Jerusalem, there are some people over there going, what? You mean that guy that was just waiting on tables and distributing food to the widows is now doing a revival in Samaria? Are you for real, that guy? And then a little bit later, he is preaching in all these towns, starting revivals in all these towns on his way to Caesarea? Are you for real? I've, I've been 
talking to you about. Now I need to finish it up. If you are not serving in some capacity, you are failing to do what you need to do in the kingdom. He started off in one simple position. He just basically distributed food to people. That would be a lot like our food pantry in there. Just basically somebody says, I'm going to make sure we got plenty of food. When somebody comes, I'll make sure they get the food that they need. But look, he kept growing in his roles. You see, you got to have a starting place. And the starting place for every one of us is when we we take our schedule and we break it up a little bit and we insert ourselves into a position of doing something for the kingdom. Because when we step into that role, then God begins to develop us. But as long as our job is holding a pew down or chair, that, that, that doesn't begin to happen. But whether it's waiting on the table, whether it's serving in some little capacity, whether it's, it's you know, we divided up making coffee. Bria, I'm sorry to embarrass you. How old are you? How old are you? We have a 16-year-old that showed up this morning at 7.30 to make coffee so that when you got here, there'd be hot coffee. What God's going to do with that life is going to be something to watch. Got to have a starting place, folks. You got to step in. Somebody stole my list because they don't want it to be passed around, I guess. But I had, I had a list up here of just a bunch of different things. Right this moment, you could step into some small role, but at least it gets you going. Because you see, it's a whole lot easier to move something that's moving than to get it started from a dead stop. Don't be a dead stop. Stand with me. Father, thank you that you have invested in every one of our lives your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who forgives and redeems and has made us holy. Thank you, Lord, that you have also invested into us your Spirit to guide us direct us, to help us fulfill our purposes, to keep us moving and developing in what we are called to do individually and collectively, but what we are called to do. And that is, oh God, to reach the world with the knowledge of a loving, redeeming God. Lord, we should find some place and get involved and watch God start moving in our life. I pray your words find good soil. So we begin to learn how to be led by the Spirit to accomplish the things that God has called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.